0: I remember the first time I was in a room with Roy Wood Jr. I mean, not just me, everyone. It was April 29th, 2023, when he headlined the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which basically meant he got to roast a sitting president on national television.
1: you have had quite a few scandals, you know? We, know? we know about the documents, we know about the laptops, but there's been no scandal more damaging than the scandal of, is Joe Biden awake? <laughs> Hey, say what you want about our president, but when you wake up from that nap, work gets done. <laughs> he might doze off with an mm, infrastructure bill. <laughs> mm, oh, student loan forgiveness. Mm, did we free Brittany or Free Brittany Ground?
0: So I was sitting at the CNN table, trying to avoid becoming an Internet meme with an ill-timed smirk. But it was by all accounts a great night for Roy Wood Jr., and not only increased the chatter that he would replace Trevor Noah as the new full-time host of The Daily Show. The Comedy Central program had basically been holding public auditions, with a roster of all-star comedians taking turns behind the desk. Chelsea Handler, Hasan Minhaj, and Roy, who had served as a correspondent for the show for eight years. But this all went down before the historic writer's strike. And by the time the lights came back up, a lot had happened. Minaj was taken out of the race by a New Yorker exposé. And Roy Wood Jr. stunned the comedy world by dropping out of the race without an obvious destination. So when we sat down in New York for an interview, it felt like there were a lot of unanswered questions. Well, until this.
2: Some breaking news from the world of media and politics.
0: Jon Stewart is coming back to The Daily Show as executive producer and part-time host. CNN's Oliver Darcy has the story from New York. Oliver.
2: Yeah, Danette, this is huge news in the entertainment. So today I
0: want to bring you that conversation because Roy Wood Jr. is so much more than his time on The Daily Show. What he's learned about the economics of comedy, his family legacy of storytelling, and how he's thinking about his future. This is the assignment. I'm Audie Cornish. So those public auditions I mentioned? Each week, a new comedian, including Roy, tried their best to prove that they could connect with a very devoted audience. Roy says they were always, in a sense, at a disadvantage.
1: The best political comedy comes with stakes. And you can only hit those stakes if there's a relationship so different correspondents and the viewer has to know the host and see the host repeatedly and get a relationship and get a rhythm and then understand where you're coming from. And then you can do more daring stuff. You know, if they're going to use the news team, that's going to be great for the show in an election year because everybody knows them. Everybody's familiar with them. And, you know, with guest hosts, it's like it's it's literally a different quarterback every week and they may have a different comedic flavor and it's it's great to play around with that some but if comedy and new satire flows through the host you know you want you want as many a familiar face or as many familiar faces there as possible but you know i
0: i mean you were so frustrated by this process you exited right I mean this was one of the reasons why you you were like, look, you guys are taking your time deciding and maybe I shouldn't have to wait around for that.
1: Yeah, it wasn't frustration as much as it was fear. It was more fear. Like for my own career. Like I don't know what you all going to do. I don't know how I don't know how you're going to make moves. So let me start thinking about what's next now while I still have a little bit of time. And the strike was about to end.
0: Right strike. Yeah,
1: this is top of October 20th.
0: You didn't say what you were afraid of, though.
1: I was afraid of being a man without a country. I was afraid of them hiring a new host that doesn't want me. I'm afraid of not being in the plans. If you don't know what the plans are and what you're looking at doing, I have to hedge bets on, okay, well, let me take the time now before January and before February to start looking at at other things and exploring other things and I just creatively I just didn't think there was a way to do that and honor the position of correspondent appropriately and do the job right so you know am I in the mix to host I don't know
0: do you want and it
1: doesn't yeah I mean I've already I've said if they call me and like hey come back and host yeah that would be a conversation I would consider that but in the meantime we're talking about the job of correspondent we're talking about correspondent. We're talking about what's the plan. And there's, as, you, if, as they were still figuring that out, I was like, okay, well, let me go figure out some other things, too.
0: From the outside, a figuring a out, I would stuff, think, you know, he just did the White House correspondence dinner. Like, everyone's – he did such a great job when he was filling in. Like, it's hard to picture from the outside you feeling fear about where you were because it felt like last year was a very good year for yeah. Roy Wood Jr.,
1: Okay, well, then if that's true, then that means there's opportunities other than a daily show out there for me. So rather than wait around here and put myself in a position where I'm looking up at some point in 2024 and not knowing what like entertainment is musical chairs. And if it's one thing, you know, that's true or that I believe to be true about entertainment right now. um, Companies are making there's going to be less television in the next couple of years fewer shows, fewer networks, fewer opportunities right. to exist as an actor or Because a writer. of
0: the smaller audience. So The Daily Show is a good example. Like the audience that it had 20 years ago, even at its height under Trevor Noah, the numbers, Correct. raw numbers were not the same. Correct. Because the cable audience or the news, o- the I'm like, cable news? Because the TV audience is shrinking for Correct. anything except live football, I think.
1: Yeah. And award shows. So now you have all of these cable companies and streamers merging because they're starting to lose money. Writer strike hit, actor strike hit, both you know, both unions won for however you define a win, either way they got to pay more money to the, the studios have to pay more money to writers and actors. They're already figuring out workarounds around some of the concessions that we won in the in the strike
0: you're seeing a lot of outside changes in the media landscape in particular. I would also argue probably comedy. Hell yeah. That make that job, which once was kind of considered like a pinnacle type job, a job where you've made it, makes that job look really different.
1: And you don't know what you're going into. So now imagine if you're at a job and you're not sure what the plan is for you to host or not, or to continue as a correspondent next year, depending on what the new creative iteration is of the show. You don't know what that is. And you know that your alternative is scripted film and television, right? Or creating your own non-scripted show. Well, the best opportunity to create your own non-scripted show is at the end of a strike after you killed it at a correspondence dinner. So that's option one. Option two is to try and do something scripted or make films, which they're also making less of. The studios don't have money the way they did anymore. They're not going to be throwing money at a bunch of different TV shows. They don't make pilots the way they do anymore. You're not even going to have a cast of a bunch of people anymore, like eight, nine people in a show. No. Writing's on the wall a year ago. Bob Hart to had, I think, seven series regulars. They cut the show to two series regulars and then made everybody else recurrent. And that's one um, of the tricks. So now that's where you
0: get one of those shows where it's like two people in an apartment and other people who stop by.
1: Correct. And so and for the and for people who don't know the difference, like a series regular is someone that's in every single episode, a recurring is someone who comes but like like Newman in Seinfeld or Bradman from the fifth floor in Martin. That's just someone who's in three, four episodes a year who you don't see all the time, but they're in the world, you know. So if you are, if there are less, if you're making less television, and the television you are making, you're making for cheaper, then that that changes the type of idea that somebody will buy. Buying season is January to April. It's not necessarily a formal pilot season anymore, but let's just assume that Q1 of 2024 is when things are going to get purchased.
0: So all your studios, your streamers. All those people who are doing, you know, the festival circuit, et cetera, they're also on the lookout for new TV shows. And this yes. is what you're calling buying season. Yes.
1: Now try and ideate that while also following people around the campaign trail in Q4 for The Daily Show and tell me how much time you still have left creatively to create a decent idea as a parachute. If things don't go the way you hope that they go with the show that you love, which one are you going to bet on?
0: I'm Audie Cornish, talking with
2: Roy Wood Jr. We'll be back after this. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm talking with Roy Wood Jr. He's a producer,
0: actor, writer, and comedian. You're coming of age in your career at an interesting time in the industry that at one point the goal was... Get on the Tonight Show or whatever. Get a sitcom. Then it was, again, that late night circuit maybe. Yeah. Then it and was then, get on
1: MySpace. Then it was, oh, you got to get a Twitter and, and YouTube and you know like it's.
0: And now there's there's also a lot of competition for making a comedy special, right? Like a lot sometimes when I hear controversies bubble up in the comedy space it's because of somebody special trying to get attention for it trying to get money for it trying to get it bought that's the other kind of finite resource it seems
1: yeah but then there's also more eyeballs on tiktok than any two streamers you could combine for the most part so is an hour special still the lick might not be Might be better off taking your hour of jokes, chopping that thing down into 90-second chunks and putting it out on TikTok and riding the algorithm to sell out crowds. There's comedians that I can name who were selling out stadiums, selling out theaters before they had an hour special. That's a whole turn on its head. 20 years ago, you do good on Letterman, you do good on Leno. A network-like shit, they give you 30 minutes or they give you an hour. So many people see your hour. Now you can sell a theater. Yeah, yeah. There's also an option within all of this as the economics and creative get on a crash course, the self-producing of so many other things. You might not even need any of these people. That's an option too. But if, that, if that's Produce to be considered. Produce your own special, yes. book
0: your own tours, yes. et cetera.
1: Yes. Love them or hate them, there's a recipe that Joe Rogan set in motion, that Mark Marin set in motion that a lot of other comedians have started to finally figure out and how to crack that code. You know, the Burt Kreischer's of the world, the Tom Segura's of the world, the 85 Souths of the world.
0: I want to ask you about Hassan Minhaj. Okay. Because he he's someone just to get people caught up. He was the host of the Patriot Act. He also was one of the sort of prospects for filling in at The Daily Show next, and he was accused of not being accurate with a handful of his stories from his stand-up act. Uh, one was the idea that he was rejected uh, for, by his prom date's family due to racism. One was about FBI informants harassing Muslim communities um, after 9-11, and another was a story about receiving a letter with white powder um, that he said the letter was threatened to his family. So each of the stories was fundamentally true. But as he has said, the sort of some of the details were fudged in order to make it work for stand up. Correct. This is someone who uses their comedy to, they say, tell emotional truths or essential truths about our culture and society.
1: To inspire and to make people feel about an issue, right?
0: Did he fail in that responsibility?
1: In the performance capacity, to some he did. I felt like at the core of what he did, it's not that different from what a lot of other comics do for material that's less impactful, you know, in terms of- But isn't
0: that the problem?
1: Yeah, well- Like,
0: it is impactful, right? Yeah,
1: but like, if you take the Chappelle, and this is a terrible analogy, but it's the Chappelle, it's the Chappelle, I saw a baby on the corner smoking weed. Like an infant. It's a joke that Chappelle did years ago. I remember it. He's just painting a picture of the ghetto. There's no baby actually smoking weed, XYZ. I think that if Hassan chose to use... If he chose to change up some of the story to invoke extra emotion to get people to pay attention to it, is it the wrong tool? It's not what I would have done, but at the source material... Is the racism still there? Is the xenophobia still there? All the things that he's trying to shine a light on, do they actually exist? And to me they still do. Like and you're so of,
0: much about fact checking. Like I feel like one of the interesting things about your joke writing is like you bring a writer's almost a journalist approach. Well that's my broadcast degree.
1: Like I'm thinking I I still write my material out, A P style book.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I, <laughs>
1: When I when when I when you when you turn in your hour special to Comedy Central, you have to send a transcript of it verbatim for legal to look at, just to make sure there's none crazy enough for them to get sued. And when I type that out, it's still AP style book <laughs> style. Okay, like, and I worked at so the AP. That's amazing. That's.
0: But also, that is the to me. I guess what I'm getting at is. For those of us who work in this in this area of communications who are black and brown, who are from marginalized communities, who do embrace some sense of mission in doing it, I feel like we have extra scrutiny. Like the facts matter. Yeah. Like I, you can't get away with the essential truth. And there's something about blurring that line. As soon as comedians got behind a desk and started accepting their Emmys and awards for this stuff, I feel like the bar is different.
1: Then I think the issue, I think the issue not just with Hasan, but just like with comedians as a whole is, when is it comedian entertainment hat? And then when is it behind the desk hat? And I think when you're behind the desk, it's two different occupations, but in the eyes of the public, I think comedians have to recognize that people see us as one contiguous entity they throughout do. all different mediums. But is that fair to the comedian? To where now he can't, because Hassan did what he did no at the No one Patriot asked you
0: guys Act. to pull up a desk.
1: Okay, but then if I'm going to go over here and do truth thing, then I can only be truth forever, verbatim down, because over here I am truth man. But when I leave the Patriot Act studio and I go on stage, what freedoms do I get within the medium of comedy where for decades people have all bent truths a little bit for the sake of emotional stuff not with the same stakes as terrorism and watch lists and patriot act detaining people in cages and maybe that's where
0: we differ i i see the stakes
1: so then which comedians are beholden to verbatims versus the one which which comedians should we hold to the factual verbatims versus the ones we don't
0: i guess i don't mind my I, i don't mind the work being done and the accolades being accepted along with the responsibility. That's you know, fair. Because as journalists, credibility is all we have. I'm one bad story, right, away from almost never working again. Correct. One bad story for me doesn't lead to a tour with, named after me making bad stories. You know, like there's no after. But I feel like comedians have dallied in this space and now there's a little bit of like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. It's just jokes.
1: But but that goes back to what I was talking about, because now it's it's the consumer, of the comedy deciding the intent and stakes of the material and not the comedian. And I don't think every say that again, the consumer of the product is dictating the stakes and the impactfulness of the material, not the comedian. The comedian has never got on. Most comedians I know, they're not getting on stage with the I'm right, you're wrong with their chest out. They're more likely to do that at a desk than they are on stage. Like it would be, this isn't a great analogy, but it would be like watching Bill Maher's television show and Bill Maher's stand-up. To me, Bill Maher's television show is much more braggadocious. It's much more chesty in terms of what he portrays his beliefs to be. Whereas his stand-up a little more lighter he might hint at whatever
0: yeah but I would argue that the more punchy version is the one that lives in our minds culturally
1: okay so then I can only do I can only perform in that style because the audience has chosen to receive it
0: I think what I'm doing is talking to you about this very interesting moment for the daily show and the shows that were like it some of which Mm -hmm. have faltered right Um, that the parody of news correct, is it feels like this moment feels different and as someone who by all accounts kind of nailed the white house correspondence in her thing like you found a way to make those jokes right
1: yeah i mean i like that i i find fun
0: but you did it without compromising <laughs> Truth truths <laughs> as well as your emotional truths.
1: understood. i I think that what he did, and i I understand why what happened with Hassan pissed pissed some people off, especially daily show, especially daily show viewers, because for them, there is no difference between desk joke and stage joke. But there is. And so for them, if it's if you're Comedy Central, have these corporations ain't going to bat for talent anyway. But was he ever not factual at Patriot Act? And to me, that's the question, because in my brain as a as a comedian, Desk nailed it. Did everything he was supposed to do over there at Patriot Act, won a couple of Emmys. All right. Can you handle this desk, too? I would say yes. But if you question Comedy Hassan, then you're going to automatically question Daily Show But at no point did anybody go back and vet anything that he said at the Patriot Act. Or if they did, it it, it all checked out, so none of those stories ever came up. So if we're not going to, like when a prosecutor comes up dirty and you gotta go back and look at all the cases.
0: Yeah. What's it like to be in this moment? You look, it looks a little heavy. It's exciting. It is?
1: it's exciting
0: alright give it to me
1: this Is this no different than open mic and if anything I'm now armed with the knowledge of knowing that the industry is going to change so now the, the biggest mistake you make as a comedian is that you inherit the goals of your predecessors it's because you don't know any better Like you come into the game as a as an open micer and you open for some headliner who's trying to get on Leno. Man, I tell you, man, I'm gonna get there. I heard I heard. there's a scout coming next week to Atlanta. You guys gotta get over to Atlanta. There's gonna be a scout from Leno and we're gonna get on Leno. So then that's for the next 10 years, that's what you think you need to be doing. Meanwhile, there's some other comic you ignoring in the corner, uploading videos to YouTube and you're going, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? You need to be getting on. Oh, my God, he's selling out theaters. So it's exciting in the sense of I know how to do the job, and now I know how to read the trends.
0: But it does help me reframe your decision around The Daily Show, like this thing that you're saying about not inheriting the goals of the people that came before you.
1: The chair might not be for me.
0: Yeah, you can only let go of something if you really internalize that idea.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and beg y'all to let me host the show or anything. It might not be for me. And it also might not be where the game's going. Let me look and assess. Now if y'all call me and go, hey man, you want to think about hosting? Okay, sit down. That's all on the table. But for now, this industry does not look like how it looked in 2015. I need to sit still and ideate, and I know that I, creatively, I'm at my best when I'm not doing a lot. I'm only touring. You look at my calendar, my touring calendar right now. I'm only going out three days a month for the most part, maybe four. I'm not doing a lot. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm sitting and
0: being still
1: and just ideating and let my son trash me at chess. He's seven, by the way, everyone. He's good. You didn't have to add that. (laughs) I could have assumed he was 16 and a grandmaster. I I think
0: it's important. (laughs) I think it's part of the essential truth of the story. (laughs) That's a callback, what they say in the comedy land.
1: Maybe you could be a comedian. (laughs) Now, I just, you have to look at how all of this is going. And the thing that's weird is that you're just not sure if you're crazy or not.
0: This will seem like it's not connected, but it occurs to me um, that your father, who was a journalist and who was broadcasting right up until his death, right? In the mid-90s when you were in high school. Three weeks. uh, He he never stopped. No. And it must take a great deal of strength and shift in you to come to a place where you actually feel okay with that. Even a pause, even not going as hard, right? As you have been, just to reorient yourself.
1: Yeah, I don't, it's, it's. I mean, all I've ever known is this since I was 19. I started stand-up while I was still in college. Had no choice but to stick with it because I did not get an internship in any summer because the internship would have interfered with touring. And just, not touring, but just doing open mics all over the South. Yeah, I, I just, but I think that Recognizing rest as a moment to reset and then really come back out the gates twice as hard and smarter because clearly just banging and, banging and banging and banging and banging and banging hasn't gotten me everywhere I've wanted to be yet. You know, I'm not content, you know, but you know, I think this is all part of the work. Is and I'm like finally at a place where I can accept that oh no, rest is work to. That's part of the thing, so I don't know. Maybe I thank my therapist for that.
0: <laughs> well, um, I'm looking forward to the spring out of your uh, winter of discontent. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what you come out of the gate with, and I'm yeah. really glad that.
1: But that's what I mean by fear. You understand yeah, what I say by fear? I do. <laughs> it's just you don't know where this is
0: going. So, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and so candidly. About so many things. This was really great. Absolutely,
1: I respect you. I, I do. I have a lot of respect for you as a journalist, and you do dope stuff. and And it's always good to sit with people who who get it. Let's just put it that way.
0: Comedian Roy Wood Jr. Find out if Roy is coming to your town. His website is RoyWoodJr.com. and find a link to that in our show notes. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Dan Bloom. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We got support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manassari, Robert Mathers, John Dianora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andrus, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namarow. Special thanks to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish, and thank you for listening.
2: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.